Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Frequency of Love. Guest today, Bob Jaco, tells us how he's tuning in to source consciousness at a very young age led him to start a global movement. All coming up on Open Loops. Your unconscious mind. Flip the channel to its favorite late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. Hey, Looper. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Greg Bornstein, your cultural hypnotist, your consciousness disruptor, your curator of experience, and of course, your host who can't commit to any titles. Yes, this is a show that's all about challenging your existing belief systems with radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind in a way that forces you to reconcile those new beliefs and step into the highest version of yourself. Because what is an open loop exactly? I'll tell you later. You see, this is a show where we delve into it all. The topics that provoke us, that provoke a new way of thinking. And often, those fall under the category of the magical, the mystical, the hypnotic, the secretive, the conspiratorial, the wondrous, the fantastical, the spiritual, the metaphysical, the esoteric, and of course... Who and what we really are. Today's guest, Bob Jaco. Wonderful, wonderful gentleman. Very much enjoyed this conversation with him. He, he's leading a movement. A movement of source consciousness. Now, does that sound vague? Probably right now it does. But this is a man that through experience, started connecting with the one, the all. Not in a way that's far off from what you hear from Eckhart Tolle or, or the Buddha. And he, he has a message. He has a message that's really wonderful about the power of all of us returning to the source that we don't even remember. I know it hearing it putting it in a podcast intro is very difficult because it's it's high level in some ways but when you hear him say it you know it's right. He also has a magazine co-creation 
I, uh, I'm fascinated by it. Co-creation global. I mean, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by where this is going to go. The, the latest issue has Jim Carrey on the cover. He's talking with Bruce Lipton. He's got articles in there. Megan Gibson, Sue Sexton. I mean, people who are in this spiritual space that want to make a difference. Bob Jaco's work speaks to. And in addition to the magazine, he, he has a whole community that he's building. And you get to hear a lot about the way that he is bringing conscious education and conscious business under this umbrella of conscious co-creation. It's all very interesting. Bob Jaco is, this won't be the first time he comes on either. He, he makes a very generous offer to you, the listener, uh, at the end of this interview as well. It's a journey. I, I, I kind of sat there and listened and, and tranced out, but, but felt the truth You're listening now. I'm with you. You're with me. You are me. I am you. It's uh, Bob Jaco points us to why that's why that's a reality. You're going to enjoy it. If you like high conscious conversations that bend your brain open, uh, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, make sure you don't miss out on conversations like this, follow the show and rate the show and leave a review. It always helps. Without further ado, I, I'm very excited to share this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And if you have thoughts on it, please, uh, when you're done listening, uh, send me a message at the Greg Bornstein on Instagram. Send me questions. Send me thoughts. Very curious to know. All right. Here we go. Very special guest today, coming all the way from Australia, Bob Jaco. He is the founder of Co-Creation Global, as well as the editor-in-chief of uh, Co-Creation Magazine, which is uh, part of the mission that he's on with Co-Creation Global. We, we, uh, we already started talking a little bit before, and what he told me he could talk about on this show exploded my head open. So I am, I am very excited to, to really delve into this. Bob, thanks so much for coming on. Greg, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, your evening, it's morning here in Australia. So uh, welcome everybody that's watching or listening. I'm very delighted to be here. Yeah, you know, the, you you told me a lot about uh, your the the philosophy and the things that we need to consider in terms of uh, our part in the universe, creating consciousness together. You you told me a lot about that, but the thing you hadn't told me yet is how you even got into this paradigm of spiritual thinking. I mean, you told me you were in music, but I, I, I'm curious, for you, were you always a spiritually prone person? Was there a moment of awakening? How did you find yourself here? 
Okay. Um, I basically have to go back to my childhood. And essentially, um, I was the, uh, the first child of a uh, family of Polish immigrants that arrived in Australia from Germany after the end of the war. Um, my parents were both um, uh, how they work? enslaved by the Germans. And my mother worked on a, on a dairy farm. My father was actually working with a, another group of Polish ex-servicemen um, for the Germans in Bavaria in a, in a timber mill. Now, at the end of the war, um, you had two uh, divisions of Germany. One came from Russia, who took the northeastern part, and the rest was owned, well, taken over by the Allies. So around 400,000 people that had been, had been deported from their home countries to work in Germany were in, uh, in Germany at the time, at the end of the war. And so they were all put into, uh, into um, camps, what they called um, re, uh, reallocation camps, because most of them had no papers. Most of them were, uh, had no homes to go to. So uh, around the world, uh, different countries had, in fact, um, agreed to take in people. Australia, America, Canada, all those. So we're in the camp for since from 45 to 51, whilst the paperwork was all, uh, all put together. I was actually born in the camp um, and I left and I was four when I arrived in Australia. Okay. Now, the, my father's history was he was an ex-soldier. He actually saw a lot, of, a lot of horrors in the war. And I didn't know this until my 30s. Um, but my father had a background of drinking. He had a background of violence. The violence was actually erupted when he was drinking, but also because of this rage inside of him, which was actually, we discovered later, was PTSD. Um, however, when you're, he was, uh, he used to beat me up and used to beat my mother up. And so with that continuum of, of violence and beatings, you know, I was a pretty resilient kid. I put up with a lot and I actually gave back a lot, particularly lip, you know, as you talk back. So I used to get, you know, a, a second second helping uh, of, a, of a beating. Um, but after a while, it gets you, it gets you down. It, you know, you, you just start to uh, succumb to the violence. And so what happened was I started to get this voice um, not voices, just a voice. And it's a voice, you could say it had a particular resonance. It was love, you know. Yeah. It's like this voice enveloped me in this love, but also with this love came a lot of wisdom. So it used to um, ask me to do things, never told me anything, told me to do things. It asked me. It gave me choice-based uh, options. And so uh, basically I started my journey by reading a lot. I was a, a loner, a kid, a nerd, um, didn't fit in much with the other kids. I tried to, but, you know, it was, uh, it didn't work that well. And um, so I spent a lot of time reading. I would read books on mythology. 
ancient history, um, alchemy, um, all sorts of things, uh, particularly uh, related to in those days was to determine what is a human and what is a human experience? Because in you know human experiences are divisional. We've got the physical perception of reality. But the other side of that, that wall or that veil is a different understanding because we are all connected to this one innate, infinite source of wisdom. And, you know, in, in many ways, we're, 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 um, we're the extensions of a, the source of all life that started it. In other words, what happened is that, that as, as I understood it, when source found itself, discovered itself and wanted to expand, it realised it couldn't do it in the compact form it was in. So it basically exploded itself into infinite particles, bits, each one uh, being an identical particle of the, the, the whole. And so uh, what I was doing as a child or, or young yeah, child was to, in the best way I knew how and what was available, is use the medium of books and the understanding of the relationship between the physical man, life, and in, in mythology it's called the underworld or the netherworld, and to begin to... Uh, to see commonalities, you know, the the all mythology comes from a commonality, a, a central place, and mythology is about trying to tell ourselves stories so we can understand both the physical world and the non-physical world. So I study virtually every form of mythology, every form of alchemy, occult, and think, prying and trying to understand. Um, the, the world that we live in. And, and that was my only option as a, as a 10, 12-year-old at that stage. And so I used to uh, collect eight books a week on everything from Plato's Republic and Voltaire and philosophy right through to all of the other mythologies and, um, and alchemies that were around. Any, any book I could grab on, you know, what is the bigger world? What is life? And so that began my journey. And um, so I, I came through a traditional, you know, well, not so traditional, we we're really poor uh, when we arrived in Australia, but uh, well, my mother turned that around very quickly. Um, the, the beatings was an instrument that allowed me to um, access this field of consciousness and this field of consciousness has been with me i think this year it'll be 63 years that i've been transmitting and receiving uh, data from you could say the wisdom of source and that wisdom of source is really the other me the other you these are all of the hidden parts of the human uh, experience. You know, in many ways, we are walking particles of source consciousness 
basically without knowing. Um, we, by being unaware or unconscious, we live life according to what we perceive to be reality, as opposed to living life as constructing that reality. And that's what we call co-creation. Um, and that's a term that I was unaware of until fairly recently when I started moving into this particular field of uh, endeavor. So the word, and you see, I, I have a three quarter finished book, which uh, one of the chapters in, which is called My Blessed Father. Now, despite the meat the beatings and the thing, and uh, later on, as he began to become incognitive, you know, in his early 60s, because alcohol basically caused, caused dementia. And so he was institutionalized in, uh, into a nursing facility for about a third of his life until he passed many, many years ago, um, that I began to understand the, the, the relationship and its purpose. And that's why I call it my blessed father, because he started the journey for me being through a, a quite a, a violent and traumatic uh, form that allowed me to begin the journey of understanding what we as human beings are here to do, or we're not here to do anything. We're here to experience. And basically the tenet of life is about creating experiences, creating choices from experiences, and making decisions to act or behave in a particular way. Uh, and those actions and behaviors uh, form part of the process of a duality nature. That means that we, we live in two worlds. We have choices, uh, go up, go down, go left, go right. And depending on how we experience those choices, uh, whether they're good, bad, pleasurable, non-pleasurable, uh, love, lack of love, uh, we begin to sculpt a, a life direction. We make choices and it's a, like a man, you know, we, um, we can walk into a brick wall until we, we realise, of course, our nose gets sore and um, it's, it's not comfortable. So we decide to do something else, either um, climb the brick wall or walk around it so it's not that painful. And so those, those processes are part of the transformation awakening process. Each person's awareness and unconscious awakening, if we can use those terms, are in very individual. Some people get it like that. Most don't. Most have a transitional uh, discovery in terms of uh, what that means for them and how they become to a point of realisation that there are something greater inside of them. And that's when the journey really begins. One of the things I began to understand in those early days and later on in life, as I begin to, I began to move away from books and, and walk, the, walk the path of what I learned, um, was that inside each human is an imperative. It's like that, you know, we, we're always seeking, but we don't know what we're seeking. Okay, so we seek here, we seek them there, and, and we seek this end, we seek that, and we just keep seeking. And um, 
with the seeking comes the experience that no, nah, that's not it. No, nah, that's not it. Oh, yes, maybe that's it. Okay, so we keep seeking. And the seeking is is one of the um, the parameters by which we begin the process of discovery. And it is through discovery that we begin to understand and realize uh, what it is. You see, a lot of people talk about, you know, what we're here to do. And, you know, basically my understanding is we're not here to do anything. We're just here to experience. In the real terms, the what we're here to do is to discover our omnipotent infinite possibilities, our, our divine self, if you like, the ultimate version of ourselves. And that's it. Now, yeah. at that point, that's, that is... That is pure realization. That is a point where if we were to walk this earth in a pure realized form, we would not need our bodies. We would not need, because we could, we, we, we actually bypass matter at that point. You could say we can walk on water, walk through walls. And that's the ultimate form of realization. That is achieved when we pass back to source and leave these, this mortal coil. Physicality is only a means or a mechanism for understanding the world of experience. Without a physical body, we have no template or no, uh, no system by which we can feel, taste, touch, and what we, uh, what we consider to be reality. Without those senses, no reality exists. And... Um, I actually proved that in, in, in some courses I used to do in intuition many years ago, that uh, you know, a blind man looks at the world differently. A deaf person looks at the world differently. And a blind and deaf person has a different perception of reality. So uh, that, that basically was in a, in, in a very concise way. I mean, after I went through all the... the uh, the process of growing up, I suppose, went to university and then left for the journey, uh, which took me through virtually most of the continent of Southeast Asia, the Middle East and, uh, and Europe for 10 years. I, I wandered the world, travelled and, and began to see and experience for myself what the, everything that I learned in books, I went to those countries, Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, Mesopotamia. Wow. wow. Egypt. Um, so, um, and then came back and started to, uh, to mould my life um, a little bit more conscious than, than many, but still not fully conscious, still awakening in the process and uh, still following things. One of the things that, this journey taught me is that when you're attuned to source, when you deep listen to source, it is the ultimate navigation tool. If you listen to it and you act upon it, it will take you in the most appropriate direction for your path. Uh, some, and sometimes those instincts are not logical. Yeah, you know, I, many times I was in jobs and in and a business that I was doing really well, and uh, the the transmission came through. It's time to leave. 
and move to the next stage. Half the time, most of the time, I had no idea what the next stage was. What I learned to do is to trust that transmission, to trust that, that wisdom and to act upon it. Even though sometimes I resisted it, in fact, it was quite a lot of times I resisted it, but I realized, of course, when I resisted it, um, you know, <laughs> there was a pushback and things didn't work as well. So I basically ended up surrendering most of the time and just going with that flow. And everything worked in accordance to what it is. You see, when I get this information, I don't know, you know, like I meet a person and I don't know why I'm meeting that person, but sometimes that person knows another person or has things that I need to know about or need to do or whatever it is. I don't know until that arrives. You know, I don't get that information like five or 10 years ahead as to, you know, where I'm going. It's very much a day-to-day, a moment-to-moment -day, -moment thing, um, but I trust the process. And that's been one of the most wonderful things because it teaches you to live in the present. You know, what I say, your presence is the present. Right. You know? So, yeah, that's that's a, a quick, you know, um, overview of, of how I got into this in um, in uh, in my early days, my early days. There's so many things you've said here that I, uh, first of all, I, I, I think I'm just going to let you roll. I'm, I'm going, okay, I feel like he's going to, I have a question, but you know what? I'm following Bob here. because no, no, take, you, no. You're taking me on a journey. No, because this is good. I mean, well, no, no, no. And, and I, and no, but trust me, everything is great. This is fascinating. Um, how do you know? Let me, let me ask you this. How do you know that when it comes to following your path, your your there's something is it okay, I guess I could say this. One way of the reality you could say is, well, I just have a positive view. I just believe that everything's meant to happen for a reason. Or, or I believe that I can, not even that, you don't need to do that. You could move through the world, have a bad situation, i.e., you know what, my gut told me to take this job, then you're at the job and you're going, okay, this wasn't as great, but I did meet this person there, therefore I'm reframing it in my mind to be an opportunity that's positive. Mm. And you could say, that's the power of positive thinking, versus you're speaking to a higher level of source consciousness that's guiding you. Do you think there's a difference between those two different approaches? How are you so sure that it's the source versus your ability to just be optimistic? Okay, you're, you're talking about um, uh, mortal mind, which is, you know, the mind of man versus, and the mortal mind actually is a, not my description as used coined by another another group but it is the mind of man and basically inside that is you perceive the world based on your limited experiences of it and your inputs being your beliefs your programs your worldview given to you by your parents your culture your religion 
everything else. So <laughs> Everyone in other keeps words, saying uh, this to me. Everyone keeps saying yeah. they got these. No, but I mean, no, I, I do have a strong conscious mind that I'm looking to expand and experience the spiritual from. So that's why I'm always hovering in the middle. I'm interviewing people that are on the other side of it, and I'm going, how can I be sure? How do I know there's something else out there? What is the spiritual? Get me there. That's kind of my, my journey. So, yeah, no, no, I, I'm with you so far. So if you understand uh, the, the functional mind, mortal mind, that the mortal mind can only give you a limited understanding. Its perception is very narrow. It's in a silo, if you like. It doesn't expand itself into other possibilities. Now, the other realm is the realm of intuition. Now, intuition is very underdeveloped by most humans. You know, you have limited intuition. You've got the gut feeling, which is a, a, a basically an emotional sensing system. And it's usually an on-off switch. Yes, you know, I go this way. No, I go. But it, it doesn't work when you've got uh, no definitive uh, response from your, your gut saying, oh, my gut says do this. My gut says don't do this. But when it's unclear, the emotional element of, of um, intuitive response doesn't work very well. Now, of course, you've got other, other realms of intuition. You've got the ability to see. You know, in other words, you get visions, either day visions or night visions or dreams, uh, by which you, if they're directed by your internal question, they will reveal the answers. You've got uh, the ability to hear uh, information flowing to you but there's one other facility which is probably the most uh, effective of all of them it's what's called the knowing you, you know you just know stuff and you know that you know okay it's an absolutism in other words it has no questions of yes or no it is i know and therefore i follow or hmm. i I, I track with that. Yeah. Now that 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 facility uh, takes a, a while to develop because I developed it consciously. I set the intention to be a really good uh, facilitator for uh, for source consciousness, and that was evolved with practice and intention. The um, the conditions under which that works are. A variable, um, you know, everybody starts at a different point, but essentially when it comes down to it, it is that space where you allow that message to come to you. So there's two parts to this. First of all, one is allowing the message. Secondly, is listening to the message, getting your own mind out of the way. Because there are a lot of people called channels out there and they perceive themselves as being channels. However, often they don't understand that often they overlay their, um, their own functional mind. You know, belief systems can sit on top of uh, the transmissions coming through. And it's like pouring clean water into a funnel which is full of mud. And so you're going to get the water contaminated with the mud, the mud being the belief systems and other programs that sit within your or the stories you're telling yourself about that. And so what you're going to get is, you know, in 
uh, brown water, dirty water. Um, it takes quite a while to begin to sift the brown mud. And basically part of my journey has been for over 40 years, um, I've been working on the mud. <laughs> so you know, the more mud you can clean out, uh, the more clear your flow through water is. Um, the, the other aspect of it is that all of this takes a certain amount of patience. Now, sometimes when you're working with source and you're asking for something to come into your experience, um, you know, source will find it for you, but it's going to take time. Um, you know, if you wanted a hundred million, a uh, hundred foot super yacht, it's going to cost you half a billion dollars. Uh, that's going to take time right. uh, to your experience, unless you're invited on one and you experience it and you know, okay, well, that's great. I've had the super yacht experience and whatever. However, the other thing is to learning to trust it. That's the key. Trusting the process and trusting what comes through. And how do you trust things when you live in a physical world? You see the you see the cause and effect. Okay, so if you trust it, you you work with the information, and you take action. Now, if you don't trust it, you still you still see the information, but you bypass it. You say, no, I'm going to go with functional mind, and with functional mind, suddenly you see the results and your, uh, from your actions and behaviours is not working out so well. And you realise, of course, had you used that instinct, had you used that knowing, things would have taken a different curvature, different path. So I say the, the, the journey of, of transformation and knowing is two conditions. One is patience and the other one is is trust. Um, there probably is a third condition, uh, which I, on reflection, did uh, work with. That's the intention to be like I am today. And I did this at child, but in a very simple way. Um, you could say that I wanted to be the Superman of, 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 uh, of, of, of this sort of work. And in my own you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Innocence. And that's the way I was, you know, I just played with that because I love Superman and I wanted to be the Superman of, of, of the mind, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I set an intention. You know, intention is a really powerful term because in sense you are talking to the God within you. There's no God outside of you. It's also in, it's in you. And you're asking uh, that frequency of you to actually redefine who you are. You know, humanity um, tends to place itself in states of doing rather than states of being. And we're always moving through different states of being each and every day. We become something different. I mean, our cells die and regenerate. So we're becoming a new person. I mean, basically within a year, your skin has completely changed. It's all new skin. 
um, your body, your organs are completely replenishing and changing. So, you know, we're always physically moving into the states of being. But, you know, uh, Greg, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago, let alone five years ago. So, you know, we're always, but we, but most of the world's population have no concept of this. Yeah. That, uh, basically, we're, I could say, um, extensions of source. And if you think about source, that every experience that you and I have, and 7.8 billion people have every microsecond, feeds back to this central intelligence. And it, it allows that central intelligence to expand and know and grow. Uh, how do you think life began? It's because this, this infinite intelligence knew everything but had no experience of it, okay? It needed to, in order to uh, create the variance of life, it needed to actually put it into practice. And so what better way to do that is to um, unpack itself, if you like, into infinite bits and say every bit can go out and experience itself and create everything by free choice and free will. There are no rules in the game of life. We are the people that put the lid on uh, this expansion business and, uh, and we judge them and we limit, we limit ourselves. You could say our lives are probably more profoundly based on limitation than infinite possibilities. So the game of life is that every time we create an experience, that experience is shared with source real time. However, it doesn't work the other way. Source says, hey, thank you for the experience. Here's some more wisdom, unless you tuned in. And you can get it that way. And to that degree, uh, you can say, I am consistently and uh, intentionally tapping in to the wisdom of source whenever I need it. It's not 24-7. I do not walk on water. I do not walk through walls. I cannot bilocate. Not yet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, the, the point being is that neither do I need to at this time. You know, my work is about um, understanding the mechanics of the awakening process and putting right. together the infrastructure to help people also move to a greater state of awareness where they change their behaviours because the central tenet of everything here is that we, we live in, in two binary conditions, a state of love or lack of love, and predominantly lack of love is the predominant state. In, in the state of lack of love, we live in struggle, struggle, poverty, trauma, both personally and as a collective. Uh, and that's that appear fear is the biggest frequency right now with, uh, with uh, uh, this pandemic. Uh, fear is, is very highly um, uh, frequency. And uh, for those who, of you who understand frequency is that the frequency of fear actually compresses the field around your body. 
the the, uh, the bigger field. It also compresses the heart field. In other words, it makes it tighter. The greater the field of love in individuals, and uh, these, the more you can get individuals with open hearts, you actually, actually expand the field to include, become a bigger field. With a bigger field, you can actually bring more people into the field because they feel, they feel the love. And this is all about, you know, you could say that source gave every one of us the ability to seek, find, and be the ultimate experience that is love, okay? When we leave this mortal coil and de depart from these, this body, we rejoin that infinite intelligence in a facility. We become, we engage, we immerse back into that place, that space, and we are source consciousness. We are that, that, in, uh, that spirit of love and all knowing. We merge into that immediately. Okay, there's a transition period, of course, uh, uh, that that takes place as we begin to release the memories of our physical world, but they they pass on, and then as we begin to open up the pathway into uh, back to source, we immerse in it, we become it. And then we, we choose to recycle if we, we want, if we need to. If, yeah, it's a want, a desire. So um, basically, you know, the world, the world of the physical is a world constructed by man and uh, it is basically run around the basis of the stories we are told and the stories handed down by our parents to children and they grow up and they hand down the children uh, to other children and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we've had thousands of years of stories. Um, those are the stories that we need to begin to really have a hard look at. I said, are they doing any justice? Are they doing, um, are they creating states of being where we as a species can transform, grow, and begin to reconnect with the love that we are? Okay. When we begin to become, you know, I'll, I'll use the word now, enter the word co-creation. Co-creation is that state of being that we all are. We're all co-creators because co-creation means that we um, are creating elements of life and experiences together. Okay. Now, that doesn't limit us to us as individuals. It also includes every species on the planet and the planet itself. We are in a uh, synergistic, co-creative experience possibility with everything on this location we call Earth. The difference is that when we are disconnected, we are called unconscious. That means we are still co-creating. 
however, we're unaware of. But you see, co-creation has two sides of the coin. There's co-creation and there's co-destruction. And we do both. Your body destroys cells in order to replenish new cells. Humans are destroying this planet, but not necessarily replenishing this planet. You know, this is the only place we have. There is no place on Mars or anywhere else because we have yet not evolved to the point where we can just get into spaceships and go find another place to live. And even if we do, we export everything that we've done to this planet to another place. Right, right. You know, humanity, uh, a non-transcended humanity only sh simply shifts all the, uh, the, the burden they carry on that planet and all the stuff they've done to the planet to a new location. That's all. So if we were to become responsible travelers of what we call space, um, we probably should never leave this planet until we're more <laughs> illuminated. Um, so the, the, the process is really um, co-creation is a division between two parts. We are either unaware or unconscious co-creators, or we are conscious co-creators. Now, a conscious co-creator knows that everything they bring into their lives, their material world, they did it. They set an intention, they were clear on what they wanted, and they brought those particular facilities, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, uh, a, a more income, whether it's a house, travel, whatever experiences, you know, there's trillions of experiences humans seek. But the key point is when you're conscious, you seek um, experiences more transcendent with love than anything else. Hmm. You know, in the end of the day, everything you own or you think you own is temporary. You're really renting for short periods of time, your house, your car, um, even your, 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 uh, your, your partners, you know, they're all temporary um, in the journey of, of life. And, um, you know, we, we wonder why we have all of these things that, that people pass through your life. You know, just think about your own life, Greg. You know, since the age of, let's say, I'll pick a point five, how many people do you think have gone through your life? Oh my gosh! Thousands? I mean, thousands of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Um, so, in many ways, you know, everything's transcended to a point where we are. We 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 meet a person. There's an experience or an ongoing experience, either short term. It could be uh, just that one person you meet at a coffee shop, even behind the coffee counter, that gives you that little key bit of wisdom that you that sinks in and it changes your life um you know as simple as that meeting a, a a guy that's homeless or a person that's homeless that gives you another look at the value systems that you hold you know uh, that this person is cold and hungry and you suddenly realize you've never been grateful for having a home and having a an income Okay, these these reckonings, these awakenings are all part of what is life. So that the per, every person you meet 
everything you meet, your animals, are all uh, basically, basically reflectors and mirrors of reflecting back to you who you are. No, no thing on this planet is there without a reason and a purpose and an opportunity for you to better know yourself. Every person you meet is a mirror or a lens. Either it shows you your infinite possibilities or reflects back your own personal limitations. Okay. So if you're, you're looking at the world through what I call open eyes, really open eyes and ears, you will always see the opportunity and the possibilities of that messenger, like my father, giving you an opportunity to become something else. You know, we're all becoming. And we use that by the process of, of mirroring, reflection, and, uh, and you know, um, uh, uh, insight. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh you're so i mean no this is very profound i wonder uh you know that that term movement is interesting to me uh obviously yeah it's a, it's a big mission it's a big vision that you have and when everyone's like this uh what actually what do you think what does the world become do you yourself have a vision does what you're channeling have a, you know, are we all, are we all living our passions and actually doing work that we love? Are we uh, exploring partners? And then if a romantic partner, wife, uh, husband, whoever it is, no longer works out for us, that's us going, ah, something inside of me is saying. It is now time for me to expand my experience even further, and it becomes less messy than divorce attorneys and all that stuff. I mean, what do you, what do you imagine a co-created reality of people living like this actually tangibly? You a conscious co-created reality because we're already living an unconscious yes. co-created yes, reality. Yes, yes, conscious co-created. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's the, true. Uh, Good point. Well, the first, the first thing that opens up in that conscious co-creative reality is the fact you will always look at things in not necessarily in terms of the I, but as the we, because we are all connected. So you begin to, to find, let's say the partner, the partner you seek is the partner that's going to help you transcend your limitations and grow. Now, that partner is not necessarily the easiest person. You know, we have this, uh, this, this perception that, you know, uh, love comes from this all-engaging, feely good stuff, and, and that is it. But love in itself is poorly understood. There are many dimensions of love, and sometimes we realise these dimensions by going through fear, going through hate, going through jealousy, going through all sorts of, uh, of judgments in relationship. These are the uh, what we call the relationship killers. Uh, they are the elements, but they're not about the other person. The other person is just simply a mirror because what is going on there 
is reflecting back to you and it's nothing to do with them it's all about you there's nothing outside of yourself that's related to anything in a co-creative relationship so the thing they're telling you or suggesting to you or showing you is to live life in pure love which means you accept you tolerate you love without judgment okay you uh engage you immerse you you become intimate now i don't mean sexually intimate i mean intimate in the sense that you are able to reveal uh your heart to another person and i'm using the the concept of relationships because they're probably one of the most profound elements of learning um, we have and we learn these uh, things about relationship from our families you know that's the that's the start point you know that's how you are uh, engaged and how you build your belief system so in my experience in many ways i should have become an alcoholic i could have i should have become a a violent aggressive man i didn't i should have become a you know a wife beater I should have, I should have, I should have. I could have followed the path of my father, but because of this essence that came through me, I chose another path. My brother, on the other hand, he wasn't violent, but he was an alcoholic. Okay, so he took a similar path, uh, except that, you know, his wife was bigger than him. And so, so yeah. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so um, he... Um, he, he did take part of the path because, you know, you observe what is from your parents and your relationship, or if you don't have parents, your carers, you know, whoever they are, you learn all your worldly values, perceptions and stories under that. They become your, um, your milestone. They become your, the base place where you begin to emerge and you um, see the world through those lenses, okay? Until you begin to see, you know, it's what I call the brick wall effect, that every time you you follow those, those understandings, um, pain is, is part of the, uh, the delivery system. So when you begin, you have enough of it, you make an internal decisions to change the way uh, you uh, you respond and the world you know you respond in one way the real world responds back you know if you love the world the world will love you back um, if you are resistant to the world the world will resist you back if you are um, um, forceful to the world the world will force back you know it's, it's that's a great it's point that, too yeah <clears throat> um yeah, so you know, what people always talk about, you know, you ha you should love yourself before you go and pursue someone else. But what about you you loving the world? What's your relationship? And not that I mean, but but yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. Do you what how how are you in the world doing right now? Uh do you in the world need to be in couples therapy? You, some people they might need to. Uh I haven't thought about it that way. The, 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 the processes in us individually are the similar process in a collective. Collectives tend to be a little bit more complex because there are many people that have come together in a, 
as we call it in Australia, a mob, you know, or a flock. And they come together because they have common values or interests or stories uh, that, you know, make them, you know, feel comfortable. You could call it tribalism, you know, tribes. We, you know, we have tribes and they come together because they have common these common frequencies, you know, if I can use that term. And so we are currently in this world, uh, millions of tribes, um, from sporting tribes to party tribes to uh, corporate tribes uh, to uh, um, religious tribes. It goes on and on and on. And those tribes are what keeps us separated because the tribes are usually... Uh, of a nature where they're competitive and mm. also disallowing. In other words, they do not accept that other tribes have the right to coexist in, in the same space. And so that's part of our, our um, the part of the, the process of why humans um, do the things they do because the tribes, you know, whether white, black, brindle colours, say, so, you know, they're different, therefore they're that tribe, and therefore we two tribes don't get along or shouldn't get along or can't get along, um, essentially. Tribes create the silos of separation. We live in silos. I mean, we do this here in suburbs. We all live in houses with fences, we often don't know our neighbours uh, or don't want to know our neighbours, so we live in these silos. But one of the things that COVID did, it's, it's done many things, um, essentially was the realisation that humanity needs, we need people, we need to be feel, felt, we need to be touched, we need to be hugged, and we need community. That in itself, we as a species are community-based. We're not meant to live alone or even work alone. Um, we are meant to work in a co-creative, one intelligence, many people working together with one facility. And that's how co-creation global emerged. It is to bring together 300 million people. Why 300 million people? Because that will turn uh, turn the rest of the planet into that is actually a, a basis by which you've got those numbers you can influence a bigger number you know 300 million five percent of the population can create a wave of frequency that infects i'll use the word infects infects the rest of the population of the planet to more love i call it the the love virus hmm. in many ways because you've got enough um, typhoid Marys out there to create that scenario to infect many other people. And, uh, and so <clears throat> the, the opportunity is to create a movement by which we here uh, at Co-Creation Global, we're space holders. We're not organisers of the movement, you know. A river knows where it needs to go. All we need to do is get more water into the river to give it more power. So that's that's right. our objective. But the people that come in, they come into our uh, our field of consciousness because they know 
They belong here. They know what brings them here? Their hearts, not their minds, their hearts. And they feel here. And they feel it's right place to be. And so we, uh, we have this really great um, opportunity for people to join this movement and become part of a field which eventually, and 300 million people, can turn this planet around in five and a half years. But we need to get to the 300 million, okay? That's the more challenging part. Once we get there, the other part is easy, really, really easy. It's getting there. And there are just not enough people. You could say at this moment in time, uh, where we're going to make the movement to change humanity, it's like a pebble trying to move a thousand ton boulder. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what it that is what we're confronted with. Now, you know, pebbles can't move boulders in 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 in, in practice. So what do you do? You break a boulder down. Imagine the pebble is a diamond, so it chips away at the boulder until you've got a pile of pebbles, and then it's easier to move. So our work is to create, or you make your pebble grow till it's, till it's a little bit bigger and it actually can create the leverage to break down that boulder or move it in, in, in that particular way. But the movement is best um, best described as a river. And the power of water is well known. Uh, water with uh, flow not only nourishes the land, it also changes the landscape. So it, it'll actually literally cut away mountains, create valleys, uh, bifurcate if there's a too big an obstacle. But the intelligence of the river is always going towards the sea. It knows where it's going. And mankind, not consciously, it just is that what I call that imperative that we have inside of ourselves to seek and find our source. A river is an analogy of a human experience seeking to find the source and the love that we are. And so Co-Creation Global is a uh, many things. It's a, a delivery system. We have uh, experiential courses we'll be launching soon on actually showing people it's not a training course, it's a more of a remembering course. Once they come into it, they remember everything that they are. <clears throat> and uh, we show them how to uh, loop back experiences and to see and to get them to understand that I intended that and it arrived, assuming patience, time and trust are involved in the process. Okay. So by providing a platform uh, for people to express their own personal variations of co-creation. You know, everybody's language is different, but there are many people saying the same thing. Their language might be slightly variant, but as long as the core context of the language is, is in appropriation of love, then we uh, offer them the platform to write, blog, video, so we have a magazine. Magazine is only just simply a delivery system that gives them uh, the chance to engage and uh, reach 
a larger audience themselves. Um, and, um, you know, our, our uh, platform um, is extending out into a media area where we'll have, uh, you know, we'll look at doing mini films and documentaries and, and uh, other things like that as we go along. But this, at this time, uh, we're about to uh, release the platform next week. But if people are interested, I can... Yeah, um, we'll, we'll link to it for people, for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you to link into it and uh, let them come and have a look at what we're proposing and what we have and uh, see if they're interested in joining us. I want to know what happens in five and a half years. I mean, I want to know what... Uh, he said five well, and a half, that, that's the goal. Well, yeah, we have to we have to get to the three hundred million people. The <clears throat> it's the so does it start once that, you hit the three hundred? Once you hit that, <clears throat> then it's five years from that point. Yeah, the the thing about it is that if you look at, at the history of humanity, it it doesn't it, it doesn't look at its history. In and if I, there's a real reason for that, because if we're creators of experience. Okay, experiences turn to memories. I'll give you an analogy. If you're in the Second World War, you would experience bombs dropping on your house. Okay, you experience the horror of being invaded by a, a very aggressive and, and not very empathetic enemy or, or, or another nation. You experience being taken from your home and put into prison camps. Uh, all of these experiences um, are localized the population of germany and and the population of europe experienced in the war um the experiences remain valid for the life of the last person that dies and as you as you move into generational time memories fade and this is why we actually why we as a species forget what we've done in the past and we often repeat is because a generation that's had no experience of war don't understand that when you go into the war, this is the cause and effect, okay? People who have been through that process know the horrors, know what to, what's coming. And actually that is why we've had no major global war for nearly on 70 years. And we've had, you know, little little wars all over the place right but those right. those little wars right. afghanistan iraq and everything else are localized but that is the experience of the nations involved but globally and that still has its own horrors okay nobody's learning from these conditions so nothing changes and right. if nothing changes right. we perpetuate those conditions for example, uh, it's we've had 90 years to do a lot of harm to ourselves via the planet. There are species leaving every day. Uh, there, we have climate issues. We've had wildfires. We've had um, uh, pollution. There's all sorts of things. Social discord, political discord. These, these things are all showing a possibility uh, of... Um, a planet that is totally dis all of these are symptoms of a planet disconnected from its heart okay from source now the question arises and i'm not going to answer the question is 
where could we be in 50 or 100 years? Could it be worse or could it be better? Hmm. That's only that's a question that only each individual person can answer. If the answer is, I don't think it's going to be a great place to live for our parents, for our children, then what are you going to do about changing your heart, changing the way you see the world? And what are you going to do about coming together? Because this is a we issue. We're all in this boat together. There's no place else to go. Okay? If we burn out, burn the plant down around us, we'll end up living in caves under the ground because it's too hot to live outside. But the cause and effect of climate change it has got unique possibilities, lack of water, population migration you know, from the west coast to the east coast because it's too hot. Um, what are you going to do with an additional 40 million people in, in places that can't populate them? You know, there's some interesting sociological, political and demographic things that we've got to work out or, or you know, different countries have, have to work out. So the future is unwritten. We are the writers of the future. And the way that the future can be created is in the present by changing to a life-based understanding. And that is becoming aware that we, there is no such thing as borders. We create these. These are artificial constructs of ownership that we, uh, we try to work out in cultures where it's, you know, the up to the individual, we've got to buy more shoes, we've got to buy more cars, we've got to buy more things, and we use the resources of the planet, yet we don't use them sustainably in, in those ways. Do you need 20 pairs of shoes? Do you need five houses? Do you need, do you need, do you need? So there's, a, there's an adjustment that's required in our thinking about, you know, what do we really need? Um, you know, and there's people that say, well, I only need a little house and I'm a minimalist. There are other people who say, well, I need a 60 square, 600 square metre McMansion just for myself and a dog. Okay, so and all the infrastructure. Yes, probably at that stage you have the income to have a butler and a cork and and and, and gardeners. Okay, you're helping people become employed, and and there's another part of that that story too. But um, the the basis of of the thing that sixty uh, percent of this planet still live in poverty, abject poverty. Okay, for those of you who don't know that uh, who who think that, you know, your life is great because you've got the internet, let me tell you, 70% of this planet still don't have the internet, or if they have it, it's, 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 it's useless. It doesn't work often, so you get it, you know, at certain times of the day. So we tend to focus on our local experiences without understanding that in Syria, Afghanistan, Russia, uh, China, that their life is completely different. And that's the way it should be anyway. But uh, as connection means understanding and meaning have gratitude for what you have experienced and what you have brought into your life, but also have empathy, acceptance that people in other parts of the world 
are not co-creating that experience. And so part of the blend of co-creation, you know, you cannot, you cannot take culture head on. It has to be a gentle and interactive facility by agreement. And I talk about uh, cultural immersion, like a rug. You have to take off some of the old strands before you can put on a new strand, okay? And the rug owner has to agree that they will take off a strand in order to for you to put a strand on. And the more strands you put on, you say this is what is called acceptance and there's no resistance. You're not trying to change their complete way of life. You're giving them a new dimension to look at a different version of the same rug. Okay. And, this is, and that means... Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just... Uh, I, I, I really think it's awesome what you're doing um and and the way that you've it feels like you're you've 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 mapped out well we have to do this but we can't do it this way you you it's very um i mean it, i know it's not coming from that very western sort of strategic machiavellian way of giving people it's not like you're strategically planning how to throw love at others but I mean, I feel that you do have an intuition about what is required to wake people up or get people to consciously be involved in this process. I mean, Bob, would you say that in your journey, you did have moments where you where you tried to force this belief on people and it just blew up in your face? Was that something you learned or did you have a Yes, knowing? I did, actually. Uh, um, look, um, way back... You know, uh, uh, in the early days, I was a rescuer. I was trying to fix everything and everybody. You know, I started in clinical practice. I was uh, I ran a uh, a, a large um, alternative practice in Sydney, in Australia, for many years, and I was a fixer at the beginning until I realised, of course, within a year, I actually evolved into a fairly uh, clear and and uh, uh, well grounded. Uh, um, medical intuitive, uh, because I do have a, a, a medical uh, background. Um, but I realised, of course, in, very early in the piece that I wasn't there to heal them. I was there to provide the wisdom so they could heal themselves. But they were all mirrors. I was there to heal me. Okay? Right. Through understanding that their, their traumas were my traumas, their uh, limitations were minor limitations. Once I got that, I had no desire or no interest in fixing anybody. You can't fix the world. The world needs to fix itself. There isn't a fixing because essentially nothing matters because there isn't matter. Matter is an illusion. We are here to create experiences in order to evolve, transform, and become fully realized. Nothing else in between is only the journey to get there. So in that understanding, I, you know, you begin to live in a place of total acceptance. You accept what's going on in, in, in Afghanistan. You accept what's going on in Africa. You accept because that is their unconscious co-creative journey. They don't know they're doing this. Okay, so... What are we doing? We're not becoming another 
you know, Christian movements to save them from themselves. We are providing them an opportunity. We hand them the opportunity and they take it. We carry buckets of water, but some people are going to drink and others aren't. So all we can do is to educate and sponsor and open up the space and allow Source to do its magic to bring them to us. Okay? Uh -huh. What okay, happens with heal that. with healers then? I mean, do you look at healers now that people that are out there and they promote their services and they go, yes, there is something, you have a block and therefore come into my practice and I will help you unblock yourself. Do you think there's a higher level to that work that that person isn't there yet? It's, it's my experience and I think that, uh, no, I think my observations are that those uh, healer catalysts, so you call them, who are become aware that everything's everything's a mirror. When they start seeing their clients or their patients as mirrors, they become profoundly better catalysts for healing. But you see, that that's their proposed journey. Often, when they get into it, it's a one-way street. I'm going to fix that person. I've got all the tools, you know, I'm the master healer and everything else. And that runs across the board. You know, how many people out there on the internet are going to fix your money problems? How many people are out there yeah. are going to fix your relationships problems? Because each individual is only fixing them or providing them based on their personal understanding, their personal experiences. That's the box. You know, I'm one of the first people to say I actually know nothing. The amount of my wisdom and understanding is equivalent to one grain of sand on every beach and every valley and every uh, bit of ground on this planet, let alone every other planet that may exist. I really know nothing. I know nothing about what my neighbours think, what they get up to. Basically, I don't know. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I can maybe ascertain what happens for me tomorrow, but not for you, not for anybody else. We essentially know nothing. And all of these things we call education, they're basically a, a man-made rollover of this is my opinion and this is my understanding. And we, we're the greatest um, people to take on uh, the essence of other so-called leaders or thought leaders or whatever it is who do nothing else as to become visible and are not diminishing their effect because their effect helps people to understand more. But the ultimate, um, the ultimate source of all wisdom and all information is inside of you already. Well, you have to tap into it. I never wrote a course on intuition uh, that ever relied on a book or a transcript from anybody else. It all came through me. I never became a medical intuitive because somebody trained me in it. It was, it emerged as a process of what I could start to begin to see. And I asked for that intentionally. I said, I need to see inside these bodies. And so it, it, it just appeared. What evolved, it didn't just appear. I had to work at it a bit. Um, so 
essentially books are a mechanism. I learned about books about the world from the experiences and understandings of Plato and Voltaire and, and many of the people that wrote books about mythology. Uh, but I had to decipher a lot of this stuff because they were filtered uh, of and the opinions of these philosophers in that particular period of time. Okay. Now you've got to put time context into it as well. Uh, and so religions are, uh, or the, the scripts of religions are simply written in a particular period of time. We don't live in that time yet we subscribe to the context of that time. And if you think about religion, let's state Christianity, and you think about it, it is embedded in every facet of Western society, from law to uh, social systems to, uh, to um, the judicial system. Everything is involved. It's, it's got some religious tenet or grounding in it, okay? It permeates every level. It's woven in to the fabric of Western constructs. It's had 3,000 years to work, to interface and, and weave the rug of what we believe. And it's in law. It's in, in, in the judicial system. It's in the political system. It's, it's basically everywhere. And uh, um, it's in our education system. You know, our, our parents are indoctrinated, their parents were indoctrinated, and we get indoctrinated. Now, that leads me to a point. How do we break the cycle? How do we break the cycle of a new generation of humans to be indoctrinated or um, rewired in a different way? Basically, we need a new form of parent, which we call conscious parents, who understand the mirror and relationship. Kids aren't here as your, uh, as your, um, you, you don't own them. You're, you're, you've got them on temporary lease and your job is to help them evolve, grow and understand from a place of love. You also uh, need to guide them in terms of understanding how their intuition works, how they're connected to their source. And if you can do that, you'll end up with a new human when they're 20 or 30. Okay, so by the year 2045, there's going to be 2 billion of these kids. What if we could change the pathway of their education system? What if we, we connect them and keep them connected at a young age that they know that they are always infinite possibilities? There's nothing they can't do. They are already conscious co-creators by the time they're, they're six. What sort of planet would we have if we have 2 billion kids who become adults and move into every tenet of skill sets that are available, every profession, okay? We've only had one renaissance on this planet. That was in the 14th century. <laughs> yeah. And we've never had another one said, we've had evolutions of things. They're mainly technological, but the renaissance covered everything um, in, in that time. Politics, art, music, um, technology, medicine, you name it, it was all affected. And uh, you know what started that? The Black Plague. No Black Plague wouldn't have had a renaissance. Basically demolished society, every element of society in, in uh, the time in about 15 years. So one of our major uh, objectives is to create parallel education systems worldwide to teach kids this new consciousness understanding. 
you know, we go to school and we teach them how to read, write and, and arithmetic, okay? That's to actually get them into a college so they can get a degree and they can go work for corporations, okay? Nothing is, there's no inner education involved in our processes. In fact, uh, yeah. you know, kids, when they're born, they're actually geniuses, whole brain processes. And when we send them out to conventional education system, we actually technically dumb them down. So with you there, so with you there. So, so that's 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 one of our big uh, projects that we're we're currently working on, and uh, it's it's not a, you know, basically, when two billion of these kids and they're all in third world countries, you know, um, Africa, South America, um, Middle East, Southeast Asia, they're all poor countries now, lack of resources, so. Primarily, we, you know, the easy part is developing the courses. It's the delivery system. You know, how do we get it to them if they have no internet? How do we get it to them if they have no money for computers? Um, you know, how do we train the, the parents who become the teachers? Because what we're planning is a, uh, is a homeschool network globally that delivers all of this sort of stuff. And probably taking it right up to a, um, a bricks and mortar sustainable university where they're, they're actually brought in and it's totally free, totally free. They get free education all the way through uh, from, you know, what I call the primary schools right up to the, edu uh, the uh, full. And the universities will be based around sustainable education, sustainable research sustainable uh, innovation uh, to produce a, a better a better outcome for this planet. You really so, are reworking the world. I mean, this is, I now see the movement. This is a huge movement. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, how's it going? <laughs> you, you, you have a pretty good start. I mean, this magazine looks awesome. Uh, I, I highly encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, we're going to link to it as well as going to co-creationglobal.com. Uh, what is wait, what is the community like so far? How's it going? Well, it, it's it's it, we, we're actually about to launch our social media um, uh, activities on the 6th of September and in Facebook and Instagram we're just playing with those two uh, we'll be launching all sorts of videos and uh, accompanying material and we're uh, we've got a team of, uh, of solid admins now working for us we've been a, a, a year training all these people a year putting together these videos which actually extensions of the co-create mastering co-creation course um, we've produced micro content. So they're little wisdom snippets, if you like, in video format. And um, so we'll release those. And then um, probably first quarter of next year, we'll release the, the, uh, the co Master and Co-Creation program, which is actually, we haven't quite worked it out whether we're going to do it in six months block or run it for the full year. But, um, it, it, you know, that's decision yet to be made. But virtually the co-creation um, course uh, or program is 26 modules of everything to do with co-creation. It's, 
it'll take me about an hour to, to explain it to you, but yeah, um, you know, maybe yeah. maybe we can talk about that in another session. Yeah, so, I know. And I was yeah. going to say the other thing that we didn't really cover too much. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit was uh, the subtleties involved in the frequency of love itself, uh, which I know yep. you call SOL, uh, signals of love. And I understand. I mean, look, I, 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 I'm very curious. You, you mentioned channeling, uh, you know, just so I can I, I, I don't know how much of a high level overview of this can it be but how i guess my question would be this when it comes to this kind of global movement talk do you think getting to a place where we all understand the importance of the signals of love and is going to be a critical part of that movement absolutely i mean uh the the frequency that I tapped into at 10 never had a name because it's my own personal uh, personal communication network, if you like. And I usually just called it the inner voice of the presence. But probably around 2012, we had a little conversation and I just, as a curiosity question, because I had no intention of going public at that point in time, um, I spoke, you know, and this frequency said, okay, um, I asked it, said, if we went public, what would people call you, call it, call them, call we? I have no idea whether it's E-I-E. So I said, what would people call it? Yeah. And said, well, as we are frequency, and the other thing is that there's a pre pre preposition that people follow um, the messenger, not the message. So we won't call ourselves Abraham or Fred or Bob or, or anything else. We call ourselves what we are, signals of love. That's how the name soul came around. So soul is an acronym for signals of love. And it, it's through soul that I get the necessary information to move different elements of the organization when it's ready. For example, I am not talking to a couple of filmmakers and film directors about producing a documentary, early days, on co-creation. Now, they just arrived. I had them on the forward list to do in next year, but they, they sort of arrived early. So I see that as a signal for sources sending them now to actually start the process of activating and, and building a potential documentary. Documentaries can take a couple of years to put together. Um, so, and also the sort of people that, are, that I ask to come in to work, essentially we're a volunteer-based organisation. Even I'm a volunteer, except I pay for the privilege of... Uh, of supporting it financially at this stage. Um, basically, all my team are volunteers. They give a percent, uh, a, a number of hours on agreement of their time into the organisation, and they all do different work. And we also train them in skills if they haven't got skills in digital marketing or social media. We have an extensive training library 
um, that we uh, upskill people. And often they, uh, if they do leave, they'll leave with more skills than they come in and they can actually start, start um, digital uh, marketing agencies or social media agencies, or in fact, enhance their own personal business with wow. the skills they learn inside the organization. <clears throat> so are you teaching other people to channel this or, or connect with it, or are they just going to get... Not, okay. at, not at this stage. There is a, a program that will release after the, uh, the mastering course, which is um, uh, Mastering Your Inner Tutor, which is actually uh, intuition and uh, what I call heart-based wisdom. It's, it's intuition on steroids. Well, we'll probably propose that and and build that as a course. But it is on the same source, right? Like you're not Bob Jacob being like, "Hey, by the way, you want the real frequency? You gotta get, give me a ring." It'll, you know what I mean? I I could I could see how some people that lead movements like this uh, might be like, "I'm the master. I'm the source. I'm the channel." I don't get that impression from you. Um, I, I I'm not the master. I'm not the channel. Uh, I teach, I have spent probably 15 years of my life teaching intuition. I don't teach intuition. You've got it already. I teach right. you how to use it more effectively and to expand it. It's, it's, it's that simple. Basically, I have a knowing and an understanding of how intuition works. I need to begin to look at, uh, the first thing we look at is where your strengths and where your weaknesses. Do we upskill your weaknesses uh, or do we work on your strengths? And so it, it's it's an individual process and people make a choice as to whether they want to use three out of the six or, um, you know, or use uh, the whole six. That's up to them. You know, each level of training is, is, uh, is a decision they need to make. Most people uh, uh, use one or two uh, reasonably well for an unconscious human um but if i was teaching people medical intuition i'd see i'd look at one um uh, do they see the energy or see the information do they hear it do they smell it do they touch it um i had a lady that actually came to me she actually had smells for diseases she had about 40 at that stage by the end of a year she had 400 and she could smell all sorts of diseases, cancers at different levels, because um, I put her through a, 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 a wow. pharmacology and and uh, and um, uh, microbiology and cellular biology course, so she could interpret it in terms of layman's terms or medical terms as to what was going on. No point you talking to a doctor and say I, I see colours and rainbows as no meaning. Um, basically, you need to turn it into collect, to collectible and actionable information. So, um, you know, in the field of uh, medical intuitive, it's about understanding how people and how people who are being treated uh, know what's going on. And then if you've got um, doctors who are working with you on that, they need a language to be able to understand it. So there are many factors involved depending on whether you're, where you're putting your intuition. I mean, uh, how I started on in business intuition is that I had um, high-end uh, um, CEOs and CFOs 
from the banking industry, which is where my practice was in Sydney, coming along, oh, I've got a bad back. And I said, well, your bad back's not from your bad back. There's two reasons why you've got a bad back. First of all, the damage you did to your knee when you fell off a horse when you were six years of age has caused your body to, to, to change and it's created a slight scoliosis on, on uh, this thoracic vertebrae and it's caused it nipping there. And uh, so we need to correct that. And also, uh, you know, basically in you've, you've, you're in your third marriage. There's a lot of money coming out. You've got a lot of pressure. The foundation structural of it, your back is about support. You're getting no support, financial support, or even support at work. So all of these things are in the informational field. It's just how good you get about reading all that material. Were you pulling that stuff out of nowhere or did they give you any, <laughs> did he tell you about his childhood thing or did you just? No. These, these, are, these are not things I take down, I used to take down in a medical history. Uh, this stuff just came up. And oh, that's, that's how, pretty uh, wild. One of the guys that, that I started working with, he said, how do you know all this stuff? And he said, I said, well, it just evolved because I do this work. However, it's called intuition. I said, can you use it in business? I said, absolutely. Can you train me? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so let's go give it a try. And that's how I started uh, doing a bit of side mentoring in business intuition. And then he introduced me to um, a group of guys because, you know, in those days, there are only guys at the top end of the, the uh, business spectrum who also wanted to know how to learn it. So they invited me to their homes, wouldn't let me anywhere near their businesses because the boards would have thought they were gone crazy and sacked them. Right, so right. I used to do, I used to do um, um, coaching on the side in business intuition. No different. It's just simply uh, focused in another direction, you know. This is wow. We are we are tapping the the surface of how powerful this stuff is. Uh, look, I I I am all here for this movement. I I want to do my part, um, and I feel the best way I could do my part is to really again uh, tune into myself here. I mean, where is well? I, yeah, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I feel that perhaps I can shall I say, BS my way about talking about source consciousness. Like if you gave me a microphone right now and you were to say, Greg, start talking about it. I feel like I could probably rile a crowd up. I could, I could talk about these things. I could draw us back to source without really knowing it, without really feeling it. Now some might say, okay, well that's a skill that you, you study improv and you're a storyteller. Yes, that's my acting background, but what what is the difference? How or I, I know I don't know what the difference is between BSing it and living it. If I really wanted to get to a point where I can just let it flow through me, touch the frequency of love, uh, where do I start? You start with an intention, a clear intention. That is what you want. Let the source within you open the pathways and it'll actually show you the way. You just have to be a little bit vigilant in terms of seeing the signals and the signposts. Interesting. You. You'll know it when you see it. And you'll see it when you know it. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wow. That that was great. 
felt felt right. It definitely felt right. Like it's so much of what you said. Just when it that that's what that's the best that part about wisdom when you're just sitting there and soaking it up and it just it it reverberates through your being in a way that's not just up here. It's like oh yeah, no, he's he's speaking to something hey. here. Personal intention is is like asking source for something. Besides the fact you do need to spend time on clarity, just understand that what you ask for when you're in this frequency, you will actually get. So be absolutely sure that that is what you want. And I spend more time on clarity before I set an intention to make sure I've sifted through all the unseen consequences of my intentions okay because there will be unseen consequences so the more you can filter through it and you know you need to go into that new intention with an absolute knowing that that is what you want and allow all of that to come to you how do you get clarity you actually process it keep writing it out no that's it. Not that, that doesn't feel right. So I'll take that out. You just work through it. Um, it's a. It's a. Uh, um, well, I did this a lot when we were having volunteers. We we used to get volunteers, and we looked at skills, and they weren't immersed. They weren't um, totally uh, engaged. They had other agendas, but they had the skills, and so. Your source says you're not looking at the whole thing. You need qualities. You need these particular qualities of people, as well as you know you can always teach them the skills. But if you don't have these qualities, um, they may be a little disruptive to your organisation. So I changed the parameters and reconstructed the. <laughs> the, the qualities and the skills so we now look for qualities if they've got skills and qualities we we don't accept them if they have the qualities and their skills there's also you know because uh, uh, we have a little saying what happens in your house affects our house so if their life is disruptive unorganized they don't show up you know we put them on projects and the projects will stop because their component of the project is critical. And so the whole, you've got this little project domino effect where the, the project ceases. So we have to be very uh, aware that we have the right people with the right sense of uh, showing up and, and doing the work. We value, we don't, we don't pay them, but we pay them in in um, upskilling and upgrading themselves in the functional world. If they have no digital marketing experience, within a year, they will have enough digital marketing experience to set them up as a freelancer and earn not 10 hours bucks a week, maybe $50 uh, an hour, selling those same skills to other people and helping their, those people build their businesses. Interesting. So there's a yeah. practical element to, to our, our volunteer program, which, and, and I'm talking about skills that they would pay tens of thousands of dollars going to a college in your country. Yeah. Uh, Free of charge. In other words, uh, we're, we're giving them 
a college uh, education for nothing, just for their time. Uh, how do I do this? This sounds amazing. <laughs> I know I'm starting. <laughs> I want to sign up for this right now. My gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> do do you have enough do you have enough time to give to everybody that if people listen to this episode and they go okay I want to sign up for free college over here with Bob Jaco and and co-creation can you do it well uh, we we do have a volunteer page on the website they can read through it and if they want to uh, volunteer then uh, we'll get their um, their um, email and what happens is that we have three levels of interviews. We go through an initial interview, we look at their skill sets, and the last is an orientation, and where we map out an agreement and also a, uh, a map out their education program, depending on where they want to take. So it's a, it's a matter of, uh, we need to service our needs, but we also need to service their interests um, and their, uh, what they're prepared to, what they want to learn, uh, within the organisation, and uh, so we also they also have access to the master and co-creation course free of charge. You know, it's not complete, but it is complete in the sense that it's got the front end of it done. The the videos, the channeling videos, have already been done, so they can go through that in their own time. But that that course is um, is a, a one year program, and uh, you know when it's being released, it'll probably be released on a membership basis. Price of which I don't know at this stage. We haven't decided. Um, but some people telling me, you know, friends who, who I know, say course of that nature is probably $10,000 to $15,000 as a high-end um, course. We're not going to sell it. We're not going to give it. Uh, we're not going to put that sort of price on it. Uh, we want this course to be immensely affordable and uh, available to most people. So yeah um well you know what this so, is uh, a lot of amazing things here really bob i mean <clears throat> i i'm really uh honored to be to be sharing uh this mission this message with you uh everybody has to check out co-creation global uh as well as the magazine uh and also just I mean, we'll put the we'll put the Facebook page. There's so much stuff you're doing. You're doing interviews all the time. You're you're out there. You're pushing this message forward. Um, you're clearly getting practical benefits from it. I mean, look for somebody listening right now. Is there is there anything that they can do? What's a very practical? Here's my question for you. I guess before people leave, you know, we we talked about a lot of big ideas, global movements, uh, applying this to your business relationships. If somebody wanted to get just a just a taster of co-creation in their daily life, uh, you know, knowing the difference, having this as their frequency versus what they're unconsciously co-creating, what could you tell them? What what's a little nugget you could give them so they can experience the power of this message very practically? First thing is they need to want to do it. Okay, they need to set a desire to do it and ask the source inside of themselves to reveal. The other thing is that we're, we're, we're in the, the, um, the visibility market. So if they know where our website is, I suggest that they go and have a look at the magazine, they go and have a look at our channeling page, they go and have a look at the mission page. The mission page it gives them 
a whole 30 year program. It's been compressed. You know, it was when I got it, it was about three quarters of an inch thick in, in terms of writing. It's a 30 emission plan. So we can we compressed it into something that was readable. And uh, and uh, so to get to know if they wanted to join the group, there's two ways of doing it. One is to go to our uh, Facebook group page. That's co-creation. Uh, I think it's Facebook co-creation community uh, on Facebook. But the suggestion is that they invest the time. You know what I say? Said earlier on, most people know nothing, and part of this journey is to become aware of what's out there in this area you know we're one consciousness unity consciousness there are lots of places they can go but often when they get there i say well i did that course and i did this course and i did that course but there's still something empty in me okay it's still not fulfilling i'm still looking okay people know when they're in the right place they know when they're home and if our website and the words in that website uh, give them that home feeling, then they're in the right place. People find their way to us. All we have to do is to put out the light so they can see us. That's part of our journey uh, as, as, as a group. Um, uh, Greg, I'm really starting to run out of time. Let me leave you with this one um, option. Um, I've talked about co-creation global and I've talked about many aspects of it and we can revisit that, but here's a, uh, here's a, uh, an opportunity that I'd like to present. Um, a lot of people haven't heard soul directly through me. So if you wanted, we could set up a soul, um, a soul channeling session where I wow. can bring soul through. Um, the, the experience is very similar. You know, I'm, I'm, don't disappear. Well, I do to a degree and soul come through. But I, I look and appear very much the same, except the words that are coming through and the frequency that's generated is different. So if you want to think about that and also maybe ask your audience what sort of questions they would like to pose. Now, the questions given to soul will not be answered if they're for their person. You know, what, what is grandma up to, you know, that she's dead? Or yeah, what, right. Um, you know, they, they have to be in alignment with some elements of wisdom or a, a, a sort of discussion process where, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, what is a relationship? Uh, what about the, this whole money thing? Uh, what is 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 what is healing? Um, what is, is it really? And um, I, I'm going to be first to say, and Sol says this: um, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the spiritual community, they have some perception of, and some would say we're in. Some would say I know it all. Okay, we call them intellectual spiritualists. <clears throat> they know it here, but have they ever applied it? Do they live their truth? Do they live what they know? So the, the whole process is that soul is here to teach 
not to teach, to re-remember. A lot of people know this stuff, both uh, from a, a previous part of themselves and others know it intellectually because they've read it in books or been to a course and it's much the same. The question is, do they live the process of consciousness? Are they conscious? Nobody on this planet is conscious 24-7. We all uh, uh, move into unconscious states and conscious states all the time. We gravitate between the two. The best thing is to do is to try and move towards living more in the conscious state and lesser in the unconscious state. Yeah. So um, I'm going I love to suggest that. is that we can do that, but I would prefer the questions that come from the audience okay, yeah. rather than be generated by us. And basically what happens is, of course, you'll get maybe 100, no, let's say 50 questions, and 30 of them will bunch in the same thing. They all want to talk about this subject or that subject. So we cluster them and we can answer 50 people's questions in the same channeling session. So what predominates in the questions would probably be the lead title for the session. I see we do it. I see we do it. I That's a very generous <clears throat> offer. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it, Bob. I, I, I know that we're definitely gonna talk again. Um, in the meantime, I, I am so grateful that you gave this time to the show today, uh, to all the listeners. I mean, this is uh, such an enlightening discussion. It always, yeah, like I said, it feels right. So I am uh, so excited by everything you're doing and uh, happy to be part of the co-creating movement. <clears throat> Uh, Bob Jaco, thank you so much for coming on the show. Greg, it's it's been a, a great uh, a great conversation. I enjoy your energy and the way we we interact. And uh, to all the listeners and watchers, um, you know, uh, we're coming back. So uh, uh, Greg will uh, announce, you know, when he's going to do the next segment, which will probably be uh, something we will channel for you. So send him in questions and we'll do our best to get them answered. Sounds amazing. Bob Jaco. Co-creation global. Check it out. Excited to meet soul. Have to tell you. It's not often you get to Turn to a channeled entity on a podcast, I must say. You feeling the love? This is a Monday, if you're listening to this then. I'm feeling the love. Whatever day of the week it is, whatever time it is, I'm sending you love. You're sending me love. Let's not rush anything here. But, but, but text me sometime. All right. Talk to you all later.